Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Central Division Hockey presents a September look at last season and a look ahead after free agency as a team shape up their rosters for the 2022-23 NHL season with, of course, our focus on the eight teams that make up the Central Division. The September series continues with the buy-in wild, buy-out years. It's a hockey cliche buying in, however, for the Minnesota Wild. It's the culture that started with Jim Bill Gurren to picking Dean Evason as his coach, and the Wild then took the player leadership group and flipped that with a buyout splash of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter to the players that remain. This is supposed to be the first of three hard lean buyout hard cap hit years for Minnesota. However, looking at the roster that has stayed, we might be better to talk about the buy-in than the buyouts. And if you aren't buying into the Minnesota Wild program, both coach and GM will hold the exit door wide open for your departure for the good of the team. By the numbers, per cap friendly, Minnesota has 5.7 million available cap space. That has 12.7 million in dead cap tied into the Parisi and Suter buyouts. That increases the following year to 14.7 for two years before it's at 1.6 million for three. The fact that the cap increase next year is by knowledgeable sources in the league to go up a million, Minnesota will have a million less to work with at least for a year. While it was evident that Parisi wasn't playing a top six role, he still excelled in the first round playoff series versus Vegas when his number was called, and Suter looked to still have top four D value that I remember thinking one of the buyouts, but not both of them, was ideal. Parisi had 15 goals with the New York Islanders with five on five time on ice at 1235. 10 second increase average to his time on ice, his final season with many in the regular season. His contract value was less than half his pay, and as a fan of Parisi, difficult as it was to see Minnesota do it, that buyout I couldn't disagree with, and no one was taking on Parisi's contract. Suter's 5-on-5, Tom on Ice, his last year with Minnesota was 18 minutes 5 seconds and was closer to his D teammates, not the over 20-plus prime career year minutes. Yet in Dallas last year, he was 8 seconds shy again of that 20-minute mark. To me, at half contract value, Suter was closer to the two-thirds buyout cost in playable value. And the four-year $3.65 million Dallas gave him is ten of a million, half the old contract's value. Minnesota might still possibly have been able to deal Suter for like a third-round pick and maybe retain a third of the contract and cap-wise be in a better place. Was there a market for Suter? 
I'm not sure. And let's be clear, Suter, I'm not really a fan of. Nowhere near to Parisi, in fact. Yet, I would have contemplated keeping Suter because the 5 million replacement Golagoski, who I do appreciate, felt like a costly trade-off. By the way, I think that Dallas will regret the term on Suter, and last year I felt he showed the signs of decline that he might be best at a 16.5 five-spot bottom pair D-man, not the 70-plus top four minutes in value. Let's say I'm at peace with the buyouts as being both costly but necessary and ultimately good for Gurren to do. Thing is, for the playable value conversation I've just put you through, Minnesota GM Gurren didn't do the buyouts on playable or tradable value. He did it to usher in a new era that didn't require the old leadership group that Parisi and Suter were pillars of. Because after a year of assessment, Gurren found his team's locker room to be, and it won't sound nice, but in my own words, a country clubhouse atmosphere that needed a new team identity, a team buy-in, not individuals that star value never translated to Minnesota having team success. Gurren decided Minnesota wouldn't win till it changed the culture, including the departure of the players most identified with it. Last year, a big topic point was the players that remained in Minnesota had a closeness as a group. Minnesota had a team culture and identity, the kind that could find ways to come back and win games and who, when adding at the deadline, had to make sure to add player pieces that fit the program not disrupt it. Still, a rough first round exit as Minnesota needs to find a confidence in the postseason. Still, and also though not touched upon, I should add a power play that has more production. And the team approach had not just the test of having to see forward Kevin Fiala depart because keeping him would have required more roster surgery than moving on did, but it also had its vet goalie tantum in place to have it quickly not be. But again, Minnesota put the team ahead of the individual player. This Minnesota team is a playoff team, has been comfortably the last two years that underneath the headlines, if you've actually been watching watching not about the buyouts of Sudor Parisi or the emergence even of Kaprizov and new star power. Not at all. It's really about that team buy-in, the player leadership group that embodies it. I mean, if you remember, it's Talbot as a team starter, not Flurry, who is all character, but he is no one. And take away Kaprizov's media focus, that is earned. He is that dynamic and he delivers. But all in all, Really getting back to, say, Talbot and Nett, a suitorless D group, and outside of the thrill, Minnesota has a collection of some of the most underrated roster of underappreciated NHLers. Talbot, I never talked about starting goalie during his time. Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodin, and Matt Dumba, hardly mentioned for the real top four D value they have when you talk about other defensemen around the NHL. They can barely get a name drop in the conversation. What a Joel Erickson Eck, Marcus Foligno. Where was the late Calder buzz that Matt Boldy deserved last year? Or why didn't Ryan Hartman's 34 goals on an under 2 million contract value that has to be for a non-entry-level contract player, or probably including them, not the best cost value goal production? But no, 
talk was Minnesota needed to get a top-line center when they have near-to-the-best two-way emerging one in Erickson Eck, who rarely gets love, and quite honestly, the team's list of surprises and great value players I could continue on with. Point is, collectively, it is still a really good roster with a great coach in Dean Evason and will be through the buyout hard years. And that is because the group of players that remain have a team-first collective buy-in that many of the underappreciated player piece parts are a really tough team to get the better of, especially in the regular season. This year, it's Minnesota trying to translate it to the playoffs as well and take the next step to finding playoff success. Breakaway time and back with more. Metro Collapse Studio on 15 seconds. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Let's go. That was the Kid Nero. I'm Michelle Beadle. Tune into our new Formula One show, the Fast and New Sidecast. We go live on AMP every race Sunday. Boom! Three seconds to go. Download AMP and follow us at AMP Presents F1 on AMP. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com holiday. Let's look at the Minnesota roster changes for this upcoming season beginning in goal. Minnesota will enter the year with a complete new tandem between the pipes that oddly after I had anointed the starting duo of the year prior as my division favorite, if I recall correctly. When I started covering the Central Division teams, Minnesota had a rapidly depreciating to me average in his prime years, Devin Dubnik, and not so young, never NHL starter, but a near season in mini where he was almost with backup Alex Staluk that was a key identified by incoming GM Bill Gurren as rightly a key area the team needed to be extremely improved in positionally and while emerging American Hockey League goalie of the year prospect Kapo Kakinen was in the system a new vet that underwhelming to me at the time turned out to be Calgary unrestricted free agent goalie Cam Talbot of the available choices. That caught me off guard because, well, pretty sure I said that anything was going to be an upgrade. I hardly expect Talbot to deliver. And while not healthy at times, and in those stretches, most when Kakinen did pick up the slack, well, Talbot's leaving Minnesota has left me with a better appreciation of his ability to at least when healthy provide playoff caliber regular season goaltending because he did it really consistently in his shortened stint in Minnesota. The younger Kakinen didn't seem to be GM Gurren's long-term tender solution because Kapo was who was exposed for a goalie in the Seattle expansion draft, yet he wasn't taken as big depth defenseman Carson Soucy, the likely other player potentially for Seattle to pick, instead was. 
In a deadline splash, it was Chicago goalie, but more Vegas goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury, who had eliminated Minnesota in the first round in Game 7 West Division first round series a year prior that GM Gurren nabbed as the Pittsburgh alums reunited. And that made moving on from Kakinen a necessity. With a 12-8-3 record in 23 game starts, Kakinen had less consistency than the year prior, and he was shuttled off to San Jose. And although a 51-game start Minnesota sample size to go from, Kakinen 26 career Minnesota stats were a good over 900 save percentage and an under three goals against average during two seasons and in the five game starts limited year prior. Flurry about the only thing likable with Vegas and near to the only player that made Chicago a year ago worth watching, a proven cup winner that made if Minnesota kept Talbot and Flurry well, a pretty hard to compete with Tantum you could put up against any other NHL team's duel short-lived. Talbot followed up his 1985 33-game start shortened season with a 32-12-4 mark in 48-game starts last year, and his play through the season, a big reason Minnesota had home ice in the first-round matchup versus St. Louis. However, deadline acquisition, Flurry was who Minnesota went with in the series loss to St. Louis as he went 9-2-0 in 11-game starts after coming from Chicago, but Talbot comparatively had been lights out as well. GM Gurren entered this offseason probably imagining replicating the Pittsburgh tantum of Flurry Matt Murray with Flurry Talbot to return and at a near the same average annual valuation but a point of a million less Flurry signed for two years and then it was Talbot who decided the shared crease vision Gurren had wasn't something Talbot wanted. Now, it was too late in the series, check the Minnesota-St. Louis series recap, to have turned to Talbot to me. The opportunity for the best time to have done so having been missed. I won't rehash that. What I will say is GM Gurren always said from the three-year deal with Talbot that he was Minnesota's starting goalie. Flurry in town and the postseason starter, even in a perfect split gameplay duel, had Minnesota had both agree, still would have had Talbot feeling at playoff time, unless Flurry fumbled, he would be slotted as the backup. And yes, Talbot looks like the non-team player to ask for a trade. But at 35, this upcoming season was a contract year. And if Talbot wants to extend his career a few more, well, another solid campaign gets him another NHL contract. And that's harder to pull off if you're worried you could be relegated to a backup, not starter, when that's what you signed on and the GM said you would be. So, after this season... See what the new contract Talbot Inks is, and if it is starter goalie money and at least a three-year term, well, would that have been possible if Flurry took the lion's share of the wild crease? So, I look at Talbot asking for a trade as a business decision. It's not a team, and it's not an issue with Flurry at all. Talbot wants to showcase being a capable number one still at this point in his career. To me, that's all there is to the story. But cup winner Flurry, right? He must just be the nicest NHL player ever. Good for the team room. And still at 37, a two years removed from winning the Vesna Trophy. But 
full starter value as well, and he took a team-friendly deal to stay. However, Minnesota nabbed Ottawa goalie Philip Gustafson has returned for dealing Talbot. At 24, Gustafson has shown potential, but not consistently, yet he will be a limited-use backup behind Flurry and at 787K, a restricted free agent under team control. He won't be Talbot. Flurry is Minnesota's identifiable starter, and Gustafson probably isn't cacking in comparative value with way fewer NHL games played. Still, with more consistency, a great mentor and Flurry to learn from, well, he won't be the NHL's worst backup, and with goalies projecting is especially hard. There is an upside with Gustafson, but I think the tantum that started last year was as a duo one I had confidence in. Flurry's health to be the starter is really a key, and hopefully Gustafson surprises in his sparse backup starts, but it's definitely assured he's going to get starts. Also, top prospect goalie Jesper Wallstad, 19, probably is Minnesota's number one future goalie. Minnesota having drafted him certainly, to me, softened my acceptance of Kakinen's departure. Still, this past year and next, and not that the same couldn't have been said of Talbot like Flurry, is Mark Andre able to be the starter to bridge to Wallstead's emergence? To me, Minnesota will probably need a prime age goalie to bridge that in net, and what I always felt Kakinen was the best option Minnesota could do that with. The yearly goalie carousel, though, really, it could be anyone in a couple years from now to not starting trying to solve. There are two separate key points I want to make with Minnesota's D-Group that are totally unrelated. Let's say, then, I want two takeaways. Minnesota's current D-Group is well-constructed and divisionally as complete a healthy playing six as any team has. That's a positive present point. The other is the likely prospect deep pool years out from really competing for spots if all stay the course means Minnesota's D group for the future could be even better than the very good group the team has presently. If those groups merge at the right time, that's when championships are possible or at worst, there is a definite natural changing of the rear guards that will keep Minnesota a top competitive team for years to come. Similar to division rival St. Louis, Minnesota retained the added D deadline player on a new three-year deal to complement a solid put-together one. If we start on the right-handy side, it's either Captain Jared Spurgeon, 32, or Matt Dumba, 27, you slot on the top and second pair. And I'm just here to say I find a real balance of time on ice distribution with Minnesota's top four that I really depth chart-wise don't get overly caught up in who you put as the top or second pair, especially with these two. The real difference is where the contracts are at, not the value they both have. I like what Matt Dumba brings. There aren't too many puck-moving skilled, but with real grit component, D-men, a team can find. An unfair comparison and compliment is Dumba is a slightly less elite Chris Chelios, and trust me, you don't often compare anyone to Chelios for the same reason you ought not to undervalue Dumba because there are aspects he brings that maybe don't affect the stat sheet, but they do affect the game. Spurgeon and his skill set probably still remain on the NHL's most underappreciated D-men list, although at least people who actually watch Minnesota play know how good he is. 
Spurgeon has five years, $7.575 million. He is long-term under contract. Dumba is on the final year of his $6 million per deal. A guy always talked in the cap crunch trade rumors. But keeping him and getting an extension done would be what if I was GM Gurren, I'd be trying to do. However, what is true is like in the case of Kevin Fiala, there may not be the fair market value cap room for GM Gurren to do it. The left-hand east side, top four, I have Jonas Brodine, $29.6 million per six years. So like Spurgeon, Brodine is committed long-term. Deadline acquisition, Jacob Middleton, 26 is who I slot on the second pair, starting his $2.45 million three-year deal that if he does play top four is such great value. And really that spot going into last year where the suitor buyout positionally made that opening for was where I put left-hand D, but also plays right-hand D, Alex Goligoski, 30 six who then had a down year a year ago and sticking with Goligoski he is really an offhand switch capable d-man like perfect five spot can play up injury replacement but kind of still playable value too good to be a bottom pair guy but again I was trying to maximize this top six anyone else watch Arizona when Goligoski was paired opposite Jacob Chikrin last year Goligoski wasn't there and Chikrin definitely did not perform without his stabilizing D partner in Goligoski. Secondly, a two million one-year deal now, Goligoski is priced as a bottom pair top-end value price in the team cap. Saying two million for a bottom pair NHLD is good value, even better if that is a player who played top four and still potentially can, as I feel is the case for Goligoski. The sixth guy, GM Gurren Reup, was left-hand defenseman John Merrill, 30 at $1.2 million on a three-year deal. Both in season, I should add. Let's correlate Middleton's addition to the top four and slotting all healthy Goligoski down while Merrill's fit as a bottom pair value exceeded that of same-time acquired left-hand defense year-older Dmitry Kulikov, 31, who if you want an assessment of why he ends up the odd D-man out, it's his career arc had five-spot injury replacement top four and a skill set that, trust me, is watching him in Winnipeg to draw most upon, but it was true of all his stops before and after. He had an offensive upside that was also the edge of higher risk-reward profile at times. His joining the rush led to great momentum, turning goals for. And at others, it was a bad pinch that was a goal-against opportunity that could be ill-timed to the game's final outcome. Merrill is comparable, but he just plays it safer on a more consistent basis. And that was true on his career arc, where he really mostly was a bottom pair staple. It's to say, those two prime aged with a strong defensive partner in Kulikov's case, he had the better upside if a coach could mitigate his defensive risk. Merrill, less upside, but more reliable to be also less of a liability. I'd take Kulikov in his prime over Merrill, yet at this stage of their respective careers, Merrill, of the two for what Minnesota wanted, is the right choice for this team at this time. And hockey does require team situational analysis applied to individual player skill sets. Kulikov is traded, a cap crunch casualty, as Minnesota would have been able to keep both without the buyouts, and Cooley is then, of course, the seventh D injury replacement, but he can't be. By the way, paired with Goligoski would have been the best fit on the bottom pair for Kulikov. 
But Kulikov with Merrill, Merrill wasn't good enough to cover for Cooley and look after his responsibilities, and that's why bringing in Middleton was a great deadline pickup. Kulikov had one year $2.25 million and was the most costly of the bottom pair options also. Dealt to Anaheim by Jim Gurm for future considerations, nothing, aka the NHL's versions of getting a player for taking over their contract cost. That 70th spot then, to me, has to be way league minimum cost options vying for it. Right-hand defenseman Andre Sustra, 31, who may in fact be on the bottom pair. One year, 750k after finishing the year with Tampa Bay. Or organizational minor league, mostly AHL to this point. Left-hand D can play right side Dakota Mermis, 28. Although outside chance, also left-hand D Joe Hicketts, 26, could land that 70 spot. And what of right-hand D Kalen Addison, 22 you say well i say probably the same thing as i have for all of these top prospects that are on entry-level contracts and waiver exempt if addison needs to come in and play for an injury to dumba or spurgeon on the right hand d side in the top four he comes up but otherwise at all health minnesota shouldn't carry him for bottom pair minutes but instead get him top minutes tougher matchups special teams and all top pair American Hockey League situations to best his development. And actually, St. Louis defenseman Scott Pernovich, likewise, I feel exactly the same way about. Turns out, this summer, I'm becoming a fan of marinating. And really, in all seriousness, in home cooking, this is a true statement. But for top prospects across the board, I have not said tossing them into bottom D pairings or bottom six forward spots is the way to go. Now, one or two of those over eight Central Division teams might have a breakthrough campaign that everyone can say you were wrong, and I'm okay with that. At 22, Addison needs to log big minutes, and Minnesota has the D depth to not rush him. But again, like last year, call upon him in injury time and put him in a situation that his skill set allows him to be successful in his development curve. But unless there is a marked elevation in Addison's training camp, you stay the AHL development curve approach. I don't mean to say he isn't NHL ready, but that moment you see that he is clearly a step above the other available options, say, on the second pairing. To be clear, if you imagine letting Dumba go at season's end to slot Addison into that spot, and it could happen, well, they aren't cookie-cutter in how they play. And honestly, that GM Gurren and Coach Dean Everson gruff, the toughness within the rules grit they played with as NHLers, is more exemplified in Dumba's game than it is in Addison. Addison, at 22, is also on an island prospect-wise as really the identified D-bridge age player between this prime age current group and the amped-up prospect D-pool all younger that will come in a wave. Addison simply needs to solidify himself as an everyday NHLer prior to that bumper crop. Yet, to me, I wouldn't be surprised his NHL emergence ends up while moving onto a different NHL team. I'm not saying I would trade him. I don't know what team he even fits playing style best with of the other 31, but not sure he breaks out while in Minnesota. 
Reupping Dumba, for example, also to me has value if it can be done. That also makes beyond this year the path for Addison harder to crack the top four. Just not sure I've seen enough to say I'd want to make the top four spot available for Addison next year. Minnesota had drafted top prospect left-hand defenseman Carson Lambos, 19, and Ryan O'Rourke, 20. Right-hand Brock Faber, 20, added in the trade return for Kevin Fiala. All prospects projected to be top 4D NHLers. Worth including is left-hand D pick Damon Hunt, 20 as well. And while it's a few years out from now for this collective group competing for NHL roster spots, you absolutely can see a great pool of high-end D is on the horizon. And that is a positive, especially given Jesper Wallstadt is in the team's organization as well. Breakaway time, back with more. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com slash holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com slash holiday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Left shot, right wing, left wing. Kevin Fiello was expected, dare we could, anoint to be likely off-season casualty of the buyouts. Even with the departure of Goalie Talbot, that was not anticipated. Cap Friendly lists the Wild at $5.7 million projected cap space. The trade and signed to LA, Fiella, 26, penned a seven-year $7.875 million per deal. He departs after a 30-plus goal campaign, and the value is that over the last two years, the way Coach Dean Evison played his top nine, it had Crow Capri's off and his team leading 47 goals. Joel Erickson X last year's near to 30 at 26 goals. And Fiella all on different lines. Depth chart wise, if you glance at it, you can underappreciate that actual value. Thinking, oh, Minnesota is really just a right wing bottom six player because he wasn't on the team's top two lines. Yet, the way Coach Everson deployed those three lines time on ice wise was more evenly than most teams do. And as part of the team's success, Fiala was a driver of his line as far as its goal production. I wanted to start there because, again, how the team's lines were formed, Caprizov and left shot play right wing setup man Matt Zuccarello were 
the wings with Ryan Hartman at center. We instantly will get the how on earth is Ryan Hartman a top line center to which he has paid $1.7 million with two more years third line value but netted the regular season team's second best goal output with 34 a year ago in that top spot. A goal more than Fiala had. So you may imagine Erickson Eck Minnesota tried it in camp last year with Hartman between X-line mates, Marcus Foligno, 30, and Jordan Greenway, 25, and it was less effective. But most effective when driven by Erickson Eck, those three are. Hartman worked with the 15 million per combined wingers, Kaprizov and Zuccarello, and let's just stay the course with those top two lines, and maybe Marco Rossi gets a look there. But at 20, are you taking away a 30-goal proven guy with 15 million tied up in wingers because Rossi is just a first-rounder, top pick expected to become a top six center when he develops? When Rossi is ready, or if Hartman struggles, you can make the switch. But for now, let's keep what worked together. Likewise, score Kaprizov and set up Zuccarello's magic together with Hartman showed. A center who can go to the dirty areas and create space driving the net is the element that complements the two, whereas Rossi is another playmaker, and it might be too similar to what Zuccarello does until, well, Rossi replaces Zuccarello's current playmaker to Kaprizov role. An upper body injury, as reported by Michael Russo of The Athletic, will have Greenway miss the first 5-10 to 10 games. Center left wing Tyson Jones, 24, on his 2 million one-year deals. Expect be put at left wing in Greenway's spot. As per Russo, as per Coach Evison, we're not guessing at the lines here, but what's going into camp that Minnesota plans to do even while including Greenway's absence. And I like Jost is the one projected to get the opportunity. I would think another good player fit would be Brandon Duhame, 25, another left-wing option. That's a possible adjustment flip available. Now, Minnesota fans listening to the Nashville pod, well, you probably didn't as a Wild fan, but I was advocating a third-line role for center-right winger Philip Tomasino with vet center-right winger Colton Sissons, and Coach Evison would also appreciate that concept. Probably why I have loads of respect for Minnesota's Coach Evison because he really showed a way to deploy an NHL lineup with a mismatched tweak while spreading out top line minutes evenly. I really can, as St. Louis had a year in their top nine of firepower, see moving away from a top six, bottom six model with the increasing speed and skill at the NHL level by the better, more complete teams that is effective. When I hear it will be Rossi, 20, a left-shot center with center-right-shot vet Frederick Goudreau, 29, and left-shot but like Viela can play right-wing Matt Boldy, 21, as the third line, it will be Rossi that really slots where Fiala's departure was created, not Jost. That's the right usage for development at the NHL level Rossi needs. It also pairs him with a vet center, so on tough matchup nights, Rossi won't be stuck on defensive zone draws because Goudreau can take them, while Rossi could take offensive zone ones, and also when Minnesota gets favorable center matchup as well. Thing is, probably exactly what Everson plans to do. 
Rossi at center puts Goudreau on his natural right wing while Boldy plays his natural left wing side. Goudreau at center puts Boldy on his off right wing and puts Rossi on left wing. That's also the interchangeability the line will have. Center left winger Sam Steele 24 on a one-year 850K is who you put at fourth line center or Jost when Greenway returns, but the wings, while Greenway is out, are likely Duhame, and who, with Greenway healthy, I had as the 13th forward, Connor Dewar, meaning you slot Jost where Dewar slots in an all-healthy and then you've got Minnesota's lineup. Gone are right wing center, fourth line value, Nick Bukestad, 30, and more value bottom sixer, left shot, left wing, right wing, Nick Desjardins traded for at the deadline. As Desjardins signed a $1.75 million per four-year deal with Philadelphia, it's not being in Minnesota only nice as he also signed to the Eastern Conference, so he will be seen less when before he was in the Western Conference with Anaheim and Central Division all played against him more. A notable left-wing prospect, Adam Beckman, 21, of course, would be a guy to see if he can play his way onto the team. The less familiar other is smaller side center left shot Nick Patan, 27 on a 7-62K two-year deal. He was, when drafted, projected to be a second-line center best-case top-six player. Winnipeg drafted him, and he never really saw enough time on ice at the NHL to ever be more than a limited fourth-liner injury replacement. Same true of stints after in Toronto and then Vancouver a year ago. Kind of a good present example of, say, if Rossi didn't pan out to potential. However, Patan is a skilled playmaker, was on Canada's World Junior teams, and impactful when he was, that he just always seems to get caught in the numbers crunch. If he were defying chemistry with, say, Boldy and Goudreau, that playmaking element that Rossi projects to have is very similar. Just given both size and skill set, neither are fourth-line time-on-ice value players. If the two don't slot into a top-nine spot, it's hard to maximize either. Truthfully, they kind of compete for the same roster spot, and the other probably becomes the injury replacement. Also, center right winger in free agency Stephen Fogarty, 29, has mostly American Hockey League experience, injury replacement value, also on a 762K two-year deal. At 6'3", he would bring size to the fourth line over other options. Can't recall watching him in Boston, but it is pulling teeth to get me to watch Boston play anyone. But if the pair of games a year ago was against a Central Division team, and I have watched him while well, he didn't stand out now hardly will you ever have me criticize the job of bill gurn but with the exception of right shot centers ryan hartman and frederick goudreau both who will depending on rossi's usage on the third line primarily play center it's anticipated well the entire left wing and right wing is all left shot players including the most likely injury replacement call-ups except for potentially fogarty and mitchell chafee 24 and i would think generally this was poor roster construction trouble is the actual only right shot that didn't return bukestad barely played a year ago and was better suited as the 13th or 14th healthy scratch option. And Zuccarello, opposite Caprizov, was Zuccarello's assist production. You don't touch that. 
Marcus Foligno on the off wing, I have also never complained about. Fiala on his off wing was a 30 plus goal scorer last year while doing it and kind of think Boldy is the player if slotted on his offside right wing with playmakers will develop to be able to do it like Fiala did and while last year it was suspect if Bukestad was the best fourth line option definitely not overdue aim but some nights not even overdoer also say if rossi ends up on right wing as the replacement playmaker in three years when zuccarello is 36 and has a drop off well it's just how it pieces together minnesota could do good to draft a first round right shot projected top six player or two soon because it's an organizational need again it's my criticism of the roster construction that because minnesota had a trio of left shot players two that remain who demonstrated playing value while doing it you can kind of make less out of it it's still worth pointing out it's an actual flaw that simply has been successfully compensated for that you don't notice it and I'm not saying keeping Nick Bukestad improved it because you still want to look at the roster with your best available players. And last year, Bukestad was definitely the odd forward out based on his contribution when he was in the lineup. I'm not keeping a player because of what hand he shoots if he doesn't have playable value. The trio of Duame, Jost, or traded away Nico Sturm for Jost was prior to it, Dewar and deadline acquisition Desjarle were all depth chart better fourth line in their consistency than Bukestad was, so this right shot shortage isn't even new news. It existed going on a number of years, in fact. When I tried to determine whether to put Minnesota ahead of St. Louis this year or not, I chose flower power. I have bigger paws that St. Louis goalie Jordan Bennington can be the workhorse number one goalie all year, and by comparison, and even the recent body of work prior to the deadline as a workhorse starter goalie last season in Chicago, as a recent Vesna campaign in Vegas just prior to that, I do have faith in Marc-Andre Fleury being a number one starter, and both in front of comparatively but different built teams. Both backup goalie situations aren't ones to have a lot of confidence in, but again, a full-value starter goalie can mitigate that best, and until it's proven otherwise, I would bet on Flurry over a full regular season campaign. I would keep it more even in a playoff series with those two same goalies, Flurry and Bennington, as both have proven they elevate their game at that time. All healthy, I like Minnesota's D group just as much as St. Louis's, but very comparable value. And while I see St. Louis has more firepower up front in its distribution, both teams lost a key goal driver, Minnesota Fiella and St. Louis David Perron. That cap inability has to by both be internally replaced if it's even possible in either case. I actually gave a three-point decrease for both teams and put them positionally in the second and third division slots they were a year ago. And because of the point gap of the group of the division teams below, that won't be made up by Nashville or Dallas, I don't think. The really more complete trio again this year is Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. And because of that, not just another division team overachieving, but also a real fall-off 
from the well-built ones, the three we're talking about, would be required to flip the script in the standings. I like Minnesota's ability to stay competitive with Colorado and St. Louis as a team collectively, and at least one of the buyout burden hard years, Minnesota looks to be just as competitive and again, playoff bound. Now, after first round exits to St. Louis a year ago and a real possible first round matchup follow-up, as well as the seventh game first round loss to Vegas the year prior for Minnesota, this group will need to exercise some first round exits after experiencing them. But this group, mostly all intact, also knows and demonstrated in those two years what's required to make the playoffs. That's where my confidence in Minnesota doing that again is found. I project Minnesota with a 52-24-6 record, 110 points. Last up, Stanley Cup defending champions, Colorado. you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want i'll have an old-fashioned i'll have a margarita now you can with the bartesian home cocktail maker bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button choose from over 50 different cocktails from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today you'll always get freshly mixed perfectly balanced cocktails with the bartesian cocktail maker and now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday entertaining the bartesian is ideal for parties no need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds the bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever it's available right now only at bartesian.com holiday that's b-a-r-t-e-s-i-a-n.com holiday for bartesian's best deal ever only at bartesian.com holiday